That'll go down as one of my more unusual introductions. <laughs> but I deserved it. <laughs> Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. Yeah. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Yeah. I bless his name. Luke chapter 15 will be our text. <clears throat> Luke chapter 15. Hallelujah. I bless his name. Thank God. I thought about Brother Biddle. Man of God. As far as we know, Brother Griffin, I think as far as we know, uh, we know that he preached last night. And then went back to where he was staying and laid down. As far as we know, he just laid and he just woke up in glory. Well, God sure let him leave so easy, didn't he? And then later woke up in heaven. Glory to God. No illness, no hospital stays, no long term suffering. No. <laughs> I was there at the funeral of his wife, and they buried her there. They had the, held the funeral in Chattanooga, right outside of Chattanooga. And all I remember was Brother Bidelanus. <clears throat> His, the, the, the son-in-laws preached, the daughters sang. And <clears throat> Brother Biddle then laid his hand at the end of that coffin and looked at her and quoted Proverbs 31. Wow. Hair went straight out. I'm telling the truth. My hair went straight out. I'm telling you, there's only two or three times I've been in the presence of God to where I thought it might literally kill us. And that was one of them. <laughs> oh, they're going to have to have a glorified body to stand in his actual presence. I bless the Lord. And then he quoted the book of Philippians. And then he quoted parts of Revelation. I bless his name. This afternoon, the Lord troubled my heart. and <clears throat> I had three sermons that I was mulling over and God just cleared the table this afternoon. And he told me to come in here tonight and preach that I am so glad God saves old sinners. <laughs> I felt impressed to come to the prayer room tonight. And then the, the burden was mentioned there by others. So the Lord don't miss it. And you know, you can't buy a burden. That's what the old mountain preacher said last week in that little storefront church I was in. He said, you can't buy a burden. Only God can give you a burden. You come up with one on your own, it'll go away on its own. Only God can give you a burden. And when something's on the Lord's heart. Mm, Joe Parsons said that was the, he said if anything, that was the secret to prayer. It's not praying about what was on your heart. He said you're supposed to get up, get alone and sit before the Lord. And he said, don't be so foolish as to start the conversation. He said, you wait until the king comes in the room. And he said, you don't be presumptuous. He said, you wait until he tells you what's on his heart. And then he said, when you, you and him pray about what's on his heart, he'll, he'll answer that prayer every time. <laughs> And I am glad that we can cast all of our cares. And there are times, and, and don't you try to make prayer hard. Don't make it complicated. Don't you make prayer like something that's only some great, seasoned, wise Christian can do. Prayers is more natural than breathing. It's 
Honey, as soon as you're born again, there's a little lamb placed inside of you and it starts crying, Abba, Father. If you just get alone and, and tell yourself to hush and fall in line with that little lamb, you'll start praying. Oh, my. I bless his name. Luke chapter 15. It's where we'll come for our text. Leave your Bibles open. Hadn't the Lord just been so good to us? Our Father, help us. Lord God, this is your burden. Lord, this is your word tonight. This is your assembly. This is your gathering. Lord, you've you've brought into this place and set them in a pew. Every individual you wanted in this place. Now, Lord, I cannot do this. I do not know how to preach. And Lord, I don't know if I ever even thought I did, but I really know tonight that I don't. And God, you've got to help me. And you've got to help us, Lord. This is not secular business. This is sacred business. This is eternal business. And Lord, my gifts and abilities won't do nothing but get in the way if I lean on on God. Lord, you've got to help us. You're the only one that can make preaching powerful until there's enough power there to save a sinner. To pull them out of hell, draw them through the birth canal. God, I pray. Lord, you do that this evening. And I thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm in Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. Then drew near unto him. All the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Well, somebody say amen. Amen. Let's dissect that verse for just a moment. Then drew near. There's that drawing power. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Then drew near unto him. All and I and and it said drew near unto him. Jesus is all you need. Him, Jesus is what you need. He's who you need. It's not the plan of salvation. It's the man of salvation. Amen. Then drew near unto him. All. I'm glad Jesus died for all. He died for the white man, the black man, the red man, the yellow man. Jesus died for all. The young, the old, the rich, the poor. Man and woman, rich and poor. He died for all. He died for all. Then drew unto him all the publicans and sinners far to hear him. And that's all you need. Faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. To hear him. We're not charismatics tonight. We didn't come to see something. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. We don't, God don't show you things in the church age. He speaks things. We don't see him in the church age. We hear him. Amen. Hallelujah to God. He ain't trying to prove anything. He already did. You just got to believe him. The last sign he gave us and the only sign he said, I'm going to leave for this generation is the sign of Jonah's the prophet as he was in the heart of the earth. Honey, the resurrection of Christ. I'm going to need a good amen right here. Jesus got up out of the grave. He was dead and he was buried, but he arose again. Honey, that's the only sign you need. Got up out of the grave and he said, that'll be enough till I come back. That'll be enough till I come back. That's enough for you to hang on to. He got up from the grave. Hallelujah to God. Mm. Hallelujah to God. I'm glad he got up out of that grave. Oh my. For to hear him. Then verse 2. Here comes the adversary. Here comes hell. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And isn't it interesting there? You got publicans and sinners and then Pharisees and scribes. 
And isn't it interesting that, that, that the folks who knew they were a mess were the ones trying to get to Jesus. And the ones that thought they had it all together were attacking Jesus. The Pharisees and scribes. And they murmured and they said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And so I want to stop and say thank God when the grace of God touches anything. What they spoke, what they spoke in demeaning terms, in derogatory terms, and devilish terms, you and I say the same thing with the sweet grace of God on it. And it's the, one of the ugliest things hell ever tried to say can become one of the sweetest things heaven ever said. Let us say, man, that, hey, y'all, guess what? This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them and harm with them. Now here's what I love about the book of Luke. Luke, I found this 10, 14 years ago. Luke is the only Gentile author in the Bible. Maybe a new Christian here didn't know that. He's the only Gentile author. I need to stop right here and just get a happy bubble out of somebody. Ain't you glad that God let some old graft in Gentile dogs? Ain't you glad that God let some old heathen pagan dogs get graft into the good kingdom? That little Syrophoenician woman, Brother Earl Hughes, the old mountain preacher, said, said she didn't know what dispensation she was in. She stepped over and back for just a minute. <laughs> And Jesus said, I'm here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We're not here for the dogs. And she said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs get to eat the crumbs. (laughs) And he turned around and said, honey, you're doing better than all my disciples. (laughs) He chewed them out and gave her not a crumb, but the whole cake. Mm. Luke. Now watch this. Brother and... What about Brother Shane coming back? He's brave, son. I gave him all I could last night, and that's it, so I'm going to be sweet to him tonight. What about that? Now, Brother Shane, I found this in the Scriptures. There are more sinners in Luke than any other book in the Bible. The word sinner, or sinners, you look it up in the old red Strong's Concordance, or punch it in your Bible program, the word sinner, or sinners. And there are more sinners mentioned in Luke than any other book in the Bible, hands down. As a matter of fact, Brother Brandon, the other 65 books of the Bible altogether, I don't think, has as many sinners in it altogether than Luke by itself. You're supposed to be popping a happy bubble. Because guess what Luke got? God stares up again. And I wasn't speaking in tongues. That was a happy bubble that got sideways. I'm sorry. Woo! It got hung up in my teeth. But, oh, God said, I'm going to let this old grafted Gentile be the one to talk to all the sinners. So when you start studying Luke in that light, it gets interesting. There are so many peculiarities in Luke, things unique just to Luke. And one of the, and I wrote down over 70 of them and quit because my three point sermons are a little long winded. <laughs> so I thought a 70 point sermon might, I might, could not pull that off. <laughs> But I quit counting after the things that just didn't look. There's several of them, several, which is pretty neat to know that Luke was the traveling, he was the traveling companion to the apostle Paul, and Paul was the special last one born out of due time. Finish this sentence for me. Paul was the apostle to the Gentile. (laughs) And he was that grace preacher. Kicked off the grace age. I'll come back to that in a minute. You know what else I found in Luke? I found another word in Luke. More than all the other books in the Bible. More than any other book in the Bible. 
Guess what else God put in there with all them sinners? It's the word forgiveness. There are 17 mentions of a sinner or sinners in Luke. And guess how much forgiveness I found in Luke? 17. And it's any fault. Forgive, forgiven, forgiveness, forgiving. Just the word forgive. And it's 17. And I didn't like it that there was equal. And I, and I kept looking for different ways to find sinners and couldn't find no more. So then I tried to find, and I said, oh, I didn't enter in the word forgive in its past tense. And there was one that said, forgave. And when he frankly forgave them both. And I preached on an old boy named Frank Forgiveness. I said, neither one of them had anything to pay, and so he frankly forgave them both. Oh, Frank Forgiveness. And guess what? I couldn't find, and you're supposed to get this when I say it, I couldn't find sinners in the past tense. There wasn't no past on themselves. But I found, but I found some forgiveness in the past. I said, what? That's why a sinner ain't got no past when you get saved. Cause that forgiveness covers your past. Hallelujah to God. I found there is one more. There's more forgiveness in Luke than there are sinners. Isn't that good to know? Oh my, there are several things in Luke. Do you know the word Calvary? Is only, is only in your Bible one time. Guess where God decided to put Calvary in the center book? Mm. That good Samaritan that got in the ditch, that only happens in the book of Luke. Luke 15 with his prodigal son and his shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders. Amen. And the woman in the candle lighting up the house. That's only in the book of Luke. Oh, man. Zacchaeus. That's the book of Luke. Oh, I'm glad there's a book for sinners in this Bible. And he let an old Gentile dog get in there, honey. I was in Leviticus Tuesday night. And it's, don't turn over there, just sit real fast. But in Leviticus, I think it's chapter 21 or chapter 22 and verse 24, there's four things that you couldn't come into the presence of God with under the law. That which was broken, that which was crushed, that which was bruised, and that which was cut. <laughs> you couldn't bring broken things under the law. Into his presence. You're supposed to see where this is going. If it was crushed, you couldn't. I may not get through. If it was crushed, you couldn't bring it. If it was bruised, <laughs> you couldn't bring it. You know what a bruise is, Pastor? That's when you've received a hard hit and it didn't break your skin. And other people can't see it, but you're bleeding on the inside. And we independent Baptists, Pastor Griffith, Brother Maccabee, isn't it true? That life has dealt us and sin has dealt us some blows and Satan's dealt. And a lot of folk are bleeding on the inside. Some of you boys worked the emergency and, the, and the, all these nurses and hospital people we got around here. That internal bleeding look at you usually quicker than that external bleeding. Ain't nothing more heartbreaking, but Brother Griffith, one of my ministries across this country, is getting with young preachers, young pastors, or wounded pastors. And they think they can't bleed in front of their people, you know. And that old boy can't trust anybody in his town. They'll run him out. He can't share his burdens with anybody in the church. They'll think he's not a good pastor. And a lot of my ministry. It's just a whole week of counseling where I don't say anything. I just sit there and say, tell me some more. Sounding board. And let them bleed that out. And I just say, "Uh uh-huh. I know. Oh, my. And after two and a half hours, I say, thank you. You've really helped me. (laughs) And all I said was, all I done was cry with them. Under the law! If it was cut, if it was bruised, if it was crushed, if it was broken, 
You couldn't bring it. But on Calvary, Jesus, he was bruised for us. His body, not his bones, but his body was broken for us. Like the bread distributed, he was cut and he was crushed. (laughs) He took all of our cuts, all of our bruises, all of our brokenness, all of our crushedness. He took it to Calvary and he made a way where you can come to God just like you are. It's the book for sinners. I am so glad God saves old sinners. Luke got to travel with Paul. And you Bible students, the old Reuben Fields, the black preacher from Indianapolis, Indiana, he's gone to heaven now, isn't it, brother? The old black preacher said, they are no Bible scholars. Only Bible students. Said the Holy Ghost, only one ever mastered this book. And now there ain't no scholars in here, me nor you. Amen. Uh, Brother Maccabee and Brother Griffith, they advanced beyond us younger preachers. But you know what? Amen. We're all just, we just the tip of the iceberg. Hallelujah. And uh, Luke was what for Paul? He was the physician. Isn't that neat? Paul, who had a healing power, he did special signs and wonders, apostolic power, and he couldn't heal himself. And he couldn't heal his favorite preacher boy. That's something, Brother Maccabee. People getting a hold of Paul's hankies and getting healed. And he couldn't heal himself. He had to have a physician travel with him. I'm going to tell you something. I don't hang around people that don't let people get help. I ain't talking about compromise. I don't want my doctor to compromise. No, I want it. I need my medicine like I need it. I don't want him to fudge on the diagnosis or the analysis or the administration. And you ought not want nobody. You, the Lord, he shouldn't have to compromise the truth. We need, we need it straight to get the help we need. I ain't talking about fudge and I'm talking about, honey, Paul had to have a physician. And he wouldn't even, couldn't even heal his own preacher boy. He told Timothy, been praying for your often infirmities. Take a little, told him what to do for his stomach's sake. I wonder if Timothy pleaded with Paul. Preacher, you know I'm your pet, and he was. You know I'm your preacher boy. You healing people ain't even saved. People ain't, we're straight. We don't even know them, they're getting healed by you. You heal me. He maybe asked him three times. That's just me talking now. <laughs> I don't wonder if Paul said, young preacher, I would help you. But And then he went back in his mind and thought of a time he prayed for God to pull a thorn out of his flesh. And the Lord said, I ain't pulling it out. I'm the one who gave it to you. I've already saved you from your sin. Now I'm going to save you from yourself. We'll just let you lay there, son, with that thorn in there. You're better off than getting to thinking too much of yourself. He knows how to keep us broken and crushed and bruised and cut. Oh, we're getting to strutting. Oh, my. Start acting like Lucifer and have to be banished from his presence. Oh, my. I love Paul. You see his humility, you see his worship, and you see it advance spiritually. I love what he said. First time, three times he told about getting saved in the book of Acts. Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26. First time he said there was a light shone from heaven. Second time he said there was a great light. It got bigger to him. The longer he went. Third time he said there was a light. 
shining above the brightness of the sun. Jesus getting bigger the whole time he is going through the journey. And then I love how he testified about himself. Not only did Jesus get bigger, but Paul got smaller. We hear him testify the first time, 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I'm the least of the apostles. Least of the apostles. But next time he testifies, he takes himself out of that elite group and just makes himself one of the church. He said, I am less than the least of all saints. He didn't left preacher world and got down there with the lay people. Y'all help me now. Y'all help me now. And then the last time, he gets on over there them sinners. And Timothy, he said, I'm glad this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he said, I'm the chief. He went from grouping himself with apostles, got himself down there with saints, and ended up saying, I'm just an old sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. And he said, I ain't just a sinner. I'm the worst one. Jesus got bigger. Then Jesus just started out a light. <laughs> Jesus was a light and he was an apostle. Then the next time, Jesus was a great light and he was just a saint. Then the third time, that light doesn't blow the sun out of its orbit and he was the chief of sinners. Our estimation of ourself ought to go that direction. Our estimation of our Savior ought to go that direction. About to run what I'm about to, about to run. I'm about to run. Almost about did. Now. Hallelujah. And there's, there's, when Paul said that in Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, I've often wondered, preacher, if it was the truth. Did he, some of you Bible students in here, did he say he was the chief of sinners because he felt that way? Or did he speak that under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost because it was so. Was he the worst sinner that ever lived? So I got to thinking. It's possible. And here's how it's possible. That he could view himself as the chief sinner and it could be so. It could be possible because of this. He's the only man in history that tried to kill God's baby and God's bride when it was a baby. All right, y'all ain't with me. I can tell you're not with me. Jesus had come off of Calvary and come up out of the grave. And the body of Christ was in its infant form. And it was the bride of Christ. Could you do anything worse to a man? And come after his bride or his baby. I perceive, I perceive within myself that Pastor Stephen Griffith is a humble and a holy and a gracious man. I don't believe he'd harm a flea. But I perceivest in my spiritist that if thou was to do anything to little Miss Piper... that he could whip the four biggest men in this church at the same time with one arm tied behind his back. He'd let that hair down, which I would love to see sometime. He'd let that hair down come after you like a buzzsaw if you mess with little pipe. And I got to thinking about that. You mess with me, I really don't mind. I'm on my way to Waffle's house to get chili. You can't say anything good to make me feel better. You can't say anything bad to make me feel worse. I'm having a good day with or without you, and that's just the way I live. All right? But you mess with my bride. And then, the, and then you mess with one of our babies. I'm just going to forget I'm in the dispensation of grace. I'm going to step back into the old dispensation 
where you run javelins through people and David's mighty men. The more you killed, the bigger God gave you a bigger trophy. Can I get a witness right there? Like you can wipe out a whole town and God will say, I am pleased that thou smitest all of them hip and thigh to the uttermost. I'm going to forget. He, and he made like, you know, do a little dispensation of forgetting the self. You mess with my baby. Oh, Paul was trying to kill the infant bride. <laughs> and God said, I need a man to kick off the grace age. And I'm going to need somebody who knows that it was all grace. And there's the only feller on the planet so full of devils he's trying to kill the body of Christ in its infant form, the bride of Christ when she was a baby. God said, if I save him, he'll tell the rest of them this. If he'd do it for me, he'd do it for all of you. And for this cause, I obtain mercy of Jesus Christ, that in me first he might show forth a pattern of long-suffering for all them which shall believe on me hereafter. You know something else about Paul? Just thought of this last year. He had a unique perspective. He could tell the, the, the religious man in his morals, I know where you've been. Because he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was as religious as they come. And yet he could go down to the jailhouse and tell the old, the old drug murderer, he said, I know, boys, I got blood on my hands. I killed the Christians. Somehow God, in his unique ability, picked the one man who was more religious than anybody and had more wickedness on his hands than anybody. And he could tell them all that God will save you no matter what side of the tree you're eating off of. If you're eating off the tree of the of good or if you're eating off the tree of the evil side, the good side of the evil side, wrong tree. Got to come to Calvary's tree. Thank God, honey. Some men are given to sin. Some are committed to self-righteousness. It's the wrong tree. Get to Calvary's tree. Luke. One of the unique things about Luke is that he had them sinners' prayers. They's praying in there. You find several of them sinners praying. Four of them and I'll be done. Number one, you find an old sinner praying out of the hog slop. It's chapter 15. What verse is it there? And you got the sinner praying out of the hog slop. I'm in, excuse me, one more. Excuse me. I'm in Luke chapter 15. And uh, look in verse 12. And you've got this right here. And there's that prodigal son. And he's a picture of that lost sinner. That lost son. And he said in verse 12, Father, give me. And that was his whole problem. And that's the sinner's problem and that's America's problem. Give me. But oh, when sin was done with him and he was down there in them husk and in that hog slop and, and, them, and them pigs was an abomination of them Jews. He was as low as you could have go. And he got to thinking down there and he got to praying. In verse 17 and 18, he said, I'll arise and go to my father. In verse 18, he was saying to him, listen to this prayer, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me. Oh, honey, his little journey started out with give me. But now he's down there on his face. Make me. And the first time he said, give me everything. But this time he's saying, make me nothing. And oh, I'm about to have a happy bubble. Because nobody ever heard him pray that. He's the only one. Them old hogs heard it. 
And then when he come to his father and he went to, and I'm in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But yet when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, and he tried to say that prayer, but nobody heard him because the father was hollering back at the house. I'm in verse 22. But the father said, that boy was in the dust blubbered. And the father was laying on his Boys, get the fatted calf. By the way, no mention of tofu or wheatgrass or barley. A fat calf. A fatted calf and the best robe and the ring. Honey, that boy prayed out of the hog slop. I want to make a little announcement to you tonight. I don't care how low sin has taken you. Oh, my. If you say, Father, I've sinned. He used to street preach. You can't hardly street preach in America no more. Everybody's in a vehicle. But, uh, amen. But we'd go down there to downtown Jacksonville in the late 80s. Crack had hit the streets, homelessness was rampant and we'd get down there. Brother Shane, I'm telling you boys, old Dr. Bob told us to go down there. He said, just hold the Bible up to your mouth. And uh, some of them boys was preaching crazy stuff. But I said, guys, wouldn't it be best if we just quoted the Bible? They don't need to hear from us. They need to hear from God. And uh, I just stood up on the park bench I went down there on the late 80s and early 90s. And, then, and I'm telling you, that downtown city park was infested with homeless, crack addicts and dope heads. And I'm talking about insane with demons. And brothers, I did, I, don't let me fall, Shane. Don't get revenge. Real Christians never try to get anybody back over anything, brother Shane. <laughs> And I held that Bible. And I, brother, if I say, For God, it scared to death. And did you feel like a fool? Oh, yeah, felt like three fools. Like people walking by, like, uh, and you're like getting up on a bench, and they're like, Woo, you know, loony alert going off. And I'm down there, and I'm like, There wasn't no lapel, wasn't no choir, wasn't nobody going, Amen. For God. And if you'd space it out, it'd ricochet off them skyscrapers. And we experimented and had guys eight blocks away so we heard every word. So love. I forgot y'all for a minute. I'm back on the bed. The from a couple of my verses. <laughs> and they had gathered up around my feet. A little old bony girl with AIDS. She's just laying there weeping holding my foot. She's on the ground and just holding my shoe. And they'd come gathered up there. You want to know who cussed us? You don't know who punched one of my buddies? He come by me. <laughs> I just showed him a couple of things and he went. But you know who did that? It was them cats coming out of them elevators and them skyscrapers. The $900 briefcase, $1,200 Italian suit, and the arrogance of a rich man. And they cussed us, they spit on us, they punched Several of my friends were hit. It never was. The drunks and the harlots. I don't care how low you've gone in the hog slop. If you'll say, Father, you won't even be able to finish it. He'll be hollering back in heaven. 
get the best stuff ready. This one was dead, but he's alive again. He was lost. Now he's found. I had a sweet little lady in my church in them swamps in North Florida. She sat over here. She was she was like the Sunday school song. She was deep and wide. <laughs> Just true. She was as wide as she was tall. And enjoyed every bit of it. She wasn't getting no Jane Fonda aerobics, I guarantee you. She was, just, she was the happiest person in our church. And uh, Beverly Creighton. And she crocheted. Everybody had a little crocheted cross hanging on their car mirror. And she'd bring little special magnets that say Jesus or something and put them on everybody's car whether they liked it or not. <laughs> she'd ring my doorbell at 7 a.m. and it'd be a pie. Hey, man. I'd eat it all. Just make sure it don't hurt nobody's feelings, you know. And uh, when, she, when she, was, she was abused at home, when she was 14, they sold her. And at age 15, 16, and 17, some men sold her to other men. That's how she spent her teenage years. And then she married an old mean drunk. But somewhere in her early 20s, Arthur Blackburn came through stuff. She got saved. And then I had her as an older lady. And every once in a while she'd remember where she'd come from. She stood up one Sunday morning and testified. And my bunch acted like yours because I told them if they didn't they had to find another church. We had Redneck Rodeo Church every service, honey. (laughs) Had the law called on us three times. (laughs) Yes, unruly. There's an old fella, and I'm not trying to sound macho, but I'm, this story really happened. He'd been the sheriff, had been the sheriff of a Florida city, and I can't say there's over 150,000 people. And he retired out in our little neck of the woods. And he come in there, and he thought that his money and his prominence would mean something in our congregation, like it had meant in his Presbyterian congregation. And uh, and he thought I was one of these limp-wristed, nancy-pansy, little lacy drawers type of kissing babies, hugging grannies. He didn't know I was raised by rednecks and drill sergeants. He filled a pew up with some high society people one service. And that was the service Beverly Creighton got full. She hopped up. She said, preacher. I said, what? I was already in it with her. Happy bubble the size of Texas. And she went to telling. And she, and she couldn't find words to tell. And she said, y'all don't, don't know where I, where I was when the Lord found me. And here's the words she used. She said, I was the scum that was on top of the septic tank. She said, but he scooped me off. And took me home. And the next day, and he may hear this on the internet, it won't be the first time we fought, it'll be fine. And Dwayne Coward, he comes down there the next day. I need to see you in your office. What he didn't want to know was I was wanting to see him anywhere. He took me out three weeks ago and bought me a $700 pair of Tony Lama cowboy boots, ostrich skin. Do you know you got to pluck the feathers while he's alive or it won't cure? That's why it costs him. He's a naked ostrich somewhere. Paid a price. And like, I hope, I hope they enjoy that. But anyway. I was wearing them boots. And he'd come in there and he'd run that city of 150,000, you know, for 30 years. And he thought he was going to run our little country church. And he said, I got, he said, let me tell you something, young man. I said, hurry up and say it. You've got long. Hurry up and say it. 
He said, if you want me to bring people in here of means and people of high society, then you're going to have to tell that little woman she can't talk like that in our church. And I said, are you done? And I tried to sound macho because it actually was a little more flavorful than that. But I said, are you done? Yeah. I said, number one, I'm keeping the boots. <laughs> that was going to get that clear. There's a naked ostrich somewhere, and I'm just, for his sake, I'm keeping the boots. I said, number one, I'm keeping the boots. I said, number two, you're not allowed to come here anymore. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sound, but I, just, I said, you're not allowed to come here anymore. I said, as of right now, you're not even welcome in this office. And I said, let me tell you. I said, uh, I was underneath her when the Lord scraped her off. I was in, I was septic stuff, buddy. And I said, Bible, you're still in the tank. I made it more specific for him. I said, you're, you're still in the tank. I said, at least she's out. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. There's no choice. She gets to stay. And you have to go. And he didn't understand it, but he didn't have to. Because if she wanted to come to church and just say, I got to tell you, I was in the hog slop when he found that she's going to be allowed to where I'm having church. She's going to be allowed to. Amen. Found her in the hog slop. He saved you. And, and listen, there wasn't just a sinner praying in the hog slop. There was a sinner praying at the house of God. Look in chapter 18. Look in chapter 18. Y'all remember the publican and the Pharisee went to the house of God together. And there the Pharisee, he was beating himself on the chest and carrying on. about this publican? I'm in chapter 18, verse 13. Verse 9 said, He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised other. Two men went up in the temple to pray. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Hey, y'all, his prayer never got outside himself. You better believe that. But this publican in verse 13, And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. I want to tell you something, honey. We got sinners praying out of the hog slop, but you got sinners praying out of the house of God. I'm so glad you can get saved in either one. I'm so glad you can get saved in either one. I'm glad you can get saved in either one. You ain't got to be in the hog slop to get saved. You can get saved right in the house of God. My daddy got saved. I told you about a drunken life of hatred and debauchery. But my mama was a preacher's, preacher's kid. And she played the piano. And she tithed. And she never sowed any wild oats nowhere. Never back talked, never got in trouble at school. I mean, I don't think you can find a, a, a black mark on her anywhere. My daddy got saved. They was a young couple. And she grew up in church in the house of God. But oh, they went six solid weeks to revival one time. Had three weeks at their church and then his pastor was preaching somewhere the next They went every night. And somewhere in the middle of that, the Holy Ghost began to whisper something to her little religious soul. You're lost. She wasn't trying to be a hypocrite. She had just never been born again. You're lost. You're lost. Amen. Daddy came in on a Friday night at the end of week six. Getting up, listen young preachers, getting up three in the morning so he could pray an hour. And then go to the job at four and five. And then he'd get off that evening. Amen. And he had a headache and he was sick and he sat down in that recliner. And he said, we went six weeks. I'm just going to lay back tonight. And the Holy Ghost said, go. 
get up and go. And what he didn't know, mom had been wrestling with her pride for three weeks. And she done told God, I'll go on Friday night. I'll go down to the altar on Friday night. I don't care what anybody thinks. <laughs> and she went down to the altar and got saved. I'm glad you can get saved in the house of God. And I still believe in having church. You ought to have church. It's a good place to get saved. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a sanctuary. It's a sanctuary. That's why you don't need to let these contemporary birds take over. It's a sanctuary. Pastor, you know what a a bird sanctuary? Think about it. When you see a bird sanctuary in one of these zoos or public parks, that means that they've set the environment up for the birds, not for you. The temperature is so they'll feel like they're at home. The foliage, the trees, the leaves are native to their homeland so they'll feel at home. Everything is set up to be their sanctuary to feel like they're at home. And down at the church house, it's God's sanctuary. It ought to be the one place where you can go and God feels like he's at home. They're like, well, we got to make the church more like the world so the world will like the church. No, you're going to make God uncomfortable and he ain't going to come. Well, we had 20,000 and they're all going to hell under your empty preaching. You can't get born again with that power. There's got to be a breeze with that birth. I've seen a breeze in John 3 with that birth. You must be born again and immediately had to talk about the breeze. So the Spirit's got to be moving. Oh, my. All right, number three. There's a sinner praying out of the hog slop in Luke. There's a sinner praying out of the house of God. And then I skipped chapter 16. There's a sinner praying out of hell. Of course, it's too late to pray when you get in hell. It's too late to pray. And chapter 16. And chapter 16. And what verse is it where he said, The rich man died. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. And said, Father Abraham. And I noticed that when you get in hell, you can't pray to God. He couldn't get a hold of God. He cried across that great gap where paradise was in the underworld at that time. Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in his water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. That word cool, as far as I can tell, it's only mentioned in connection with paradise. The only time it's in the Bible. God walked in paradise with Adam and Eve. In, and God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And, and now he said, there's some over in paradise. And I needed to cool my tongue. I mean, I hadn't even studied all that out, man. But that cool, there's something glorious and refreshing and life-giving that's only in paradise. In hell, he prayed. He prayed for everything we ought to be praying for now. He prayed for relief from hell. He prayed for his relatives. He prayed for revival back home. He prayed for these things. But when you get to hell, it's going to be too late. You're not getting out. The flames are not going out. It's an eternal fire. It's an endless fire. It's an eternal fire. It's an awful fire. There's a bottomless pit. You know, when you have a nightmare, one of the nightmares that's ever worse than any nightmare is falling, falling, falling. That bottomless pit. If you're in the heart of the earth and it's a rotating, you could be in that ever falling. That black darkness. Separation from God. The worm dieth not. The fire is not quenched. 
in heaven. We'll all bear the heavenly image of our heavenly Father. We shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. And in hell, every sinner that ever rejected Christ going to hell. Every sinner that died without Christ going to hell. And he'll end up bearing the hellish image of his hellish father. There'll be a serpent writhing in hell and a bunch of worms and dragons writhing with him. Oh. Hell! Whenever God has me witnessing to somebody, preacher, that I'm trying to get, I mean, I may work on them for weeks and months or, or just one time, whenever God, I always like to tell them this. There's a heaven glowing right above that blue veil. And there's a hell burning right below that crust mantle. And your life's going to be over in just a minute. And you're going to one or the other. If you die without Christ, you're going to hell. There's a prayer meeting in hell, honey, going on right now. They're crying for mercy. They're crying for relief. They're screaming. A sinner's prayer. I love the last one that I found in here. It's over in chapter 23. That thief hanging on the side of the cross. Is it chapter 23, verse 43? Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. There, I want to tell you, there's a sinner praying out of the hog slop of sin. There's a sinner praying out of the house of God. There's a sinner praying out of hell where it's too late. But in our message tonight, there's a sinner praying out of a hill called Calvary. <laughs> And I'm glad you can run to Calvary. And you can still run there tonight. And by faith, kneel at the foot of the old rugged cross. Kneel at the empty tomb. Kneel at the feet of Jesus. By faith. Praying out of a hill called Calvary. And when they were come, what verse is it? And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. There they crucified him. Thief on one side and the other on the left. You know what's amazing to me is there was two thieves there and only one of them got saved. It tells me several things. Saints of God, don't you be discouraged when you can't win somebody. There was one right there died next to Jesus and went to hell cursing. But the other one started out cursing. One of my brothers preached this. And I don't even know if it's in this verse. I hadn't looked at it. Just thought of this. Where they came by and wagged their fingers and accused him. And they said, he saved others. He cannot save himself. And one of my brothers, Jason, he preached. That maybe that one thief heard him say, he saved others. (laughs) And maybe that old Brandon, maybe that thief said, really? He saved others. And they're the ones killed him and they admitted it. He saved others. <laughs> you reckon he had saved me? I had an old swamp preacher, Joe Chancey, down in down in Waycross, Georgia. He called me two years ago and said he said there was only one man there that day that Jesus couldn't save. He said, Brother Dean, I'm gonna give you this message. You go preach. On the only man that Jesus couldn't save. And that was himself. He had to die that day. He couldn't save himself or we'd have all went to hell. Oh, he had the power to save himself. But oh, I'm glad he didn't and he wouldn't. What verse is it? That said, and he gave up the ghost. I'm in Luke 23, and there it said, verse 44 is about the sixth hour. There it is in verse 46. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. I'm going to say this, and I'm done. 
We're fixing to give an altar call for somebody that better come get saved tonight. We'll tell you something. Jesus is the way, and he made a way. Pastor, I think the Lord rewarded me, and I don't deserve rewards ever. He should have put me in hell. But it's an amazing thing. He loves to reward his children. He just does. We put a crown of thorns on his head and he's going to put a crown of glory on ours. That's just the way he is. Yeah. I'd been fighting devils. I've never wanted to quit. Never thought about quitting. Never entertained the thought of quitting, my Lord. But I was low. I don't want to quit. I wasn't discouraged. I done got past that sometime back. It was, I mean, a lot lower than that. Oh, just to be discouraged again. <laughs> that was simple. <laughs> My discouragement was three disorders ago. I'm really messed up here. Y'all help me now. I was low, Brother Maccabee. I was low. And uh, they put me in a little old prophet chamber. And honest for the hell, I got tickled. And it didn't bother me because I was supposed to be in hell. But I just got tickled at it. And, and I dropped a marble and, and it would roll a different way. The floors were all buckled. Into it. And the bed was on rollers and I'm a big man. It's, I know you, I don't look like that, but I really am. But, and I get on that bed and it would roll. I'd cough and it would move to it. There was dust in there from you, like you know, from the Martin Luther's time, and <laughs> sneezed all week. But they had a picture of Harold Sattler, great old big one right there, and a picture of Ralph Sexton Senior. And I'd go through there, I'd salute them. I'd by myself, I do crazy things with or without people, and I'd salute them. I'd salute Harold Sattler, I'd salute Ralph Senior. I said, I ain't a quitting. Y'all didn't quit. I ain't a quitting. And I got in there. And, so, and the Holy Ghost showed me something about Calvary. And it was so good. And I forgot where I was staying. When Jesus died, God's a trinity. Man's a three-part being. Jesus, three. When Jesus died, his spirit went to heaven. His soul went to hell. And his body laid in the cursed ground. Yeah. All at the same time. When Jesus died, he said he gave up the ghost. And that, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And then Acts and Psalms said his soul went to hell. And Peter said it. Four or five verses that his soul went to hell. About to run. And his body laid in the grave. Ooh, we. When Jesus died, his spirit went to heaven and secured my spot with God. His soul went to hell and scraped me off the bottom and got me up. And his body laid in the grave because he knew I was coming through there myself. And he wanted to clear the way. He went to all three worlds at the same time. And got me, he got me out of the bottom, put me in the top, and prepared me for what I had to go through in the middle. I popped happy bubbles. Amen. Went and got me a cold red Mountain Dew just so it'd feel really good. <laughs> Shouted it out. Oh, hallelujah. I believe he walked on water that day. He kicked in the front gates of the hell and got the keys to death hell. Walked through there because, you know, he told, he told the thief today. So he only had three hours. Died at the sixth hour, the ninth hour, the sun's going down. He only had three hours. I believe he took a two and a half hour stroll through hell, preached to the spirits in prison, got his keys. I'm I'm on target, Pastor. Yes, he did, because he didn't suffer in hell, he didn't burn in hell. When he came out of that cross, ing was gone. No more suffering, no more sacrificing, no more paying the price. It is finished. And that little old thief. He come in there and they gathered around. Abraham, Moses, now, who are you? You don't look much like much. He said, I ain't. Did you hear by yourself? I am for now, but Jesus was hanging on a cross and he'd be here in just a little bit. And I personally believe that Jesus opened the back door of hell. 
where that rich man was crying to Abraham, but there's a great gulf fixed. Could have been where the lake of fire was at the time. You know, his miracles he did on earth were all symbolic of things he would actually do in the spirit world. And I think he walked on the lake of fire <laughs> to get them Old Testament saints out of paradise and carry them back with them. I can't prove that, but I ain't trying to. <laughs> Oh, I'm just glad that he came when I could not come to where he was. He came to where I was. I want the musicians to go and come to the instruments. I want y'all to look at me. I want to talk to you Christians first. You look at me. You can't buy a burden. That's what that old mountain preacher told us last week, Pastor. Only God can give you a Holy Ghost burden. I wonder if God gives somebody a burden tonight. He may do it right now while I'm speaking. A burden for an old sinner. Your heart's got cold and you quit praying for them a long time ago. We ain't going to have a measure of revival until God's people get past this earthly world and get our affection on that eternal world and start praying for sinners again. burden for these young people to get on revival. I burden for these young people to get on fire. God may go that way tomorrow night, Pastor. I don't know. When they told me Milford Biddle died today, God put the burden on me on who's going to pick up the mantle. It may have to be for the young people tomorrow night. I don't know. These young people can't get on fire for God until some grown folk Get that eternal burden in their heart. Right now, if there's a sinner's face floating in front of you, you can see them. Right now, you can see that sinner. It's a floating in front of your face. Get down here with the preacher and pray. Come down and pray for them. Ask God to give you that burden back. If there's a sinner... somebody here lost without Christ if you're sitting here and you're lost without Christ you better come to Jesus I want everybody to stand make it easy to move